we seem like we're on the verge of seeing Israeli sovereignty in Judea and Samaria with peace and prosperity. Is this one of the last milestones to the kingdom? As we have seen Israel's high-stakes election, Netanyahu promising to annex the West Bank, being tapped to form the next government, details of Trump's deal of the century, as he calls it, are starting to get an idea where the peace process may go from here. Let's take a look and see. First, let's go to our Bibles, Ezekiel chapter 38. We see, as we've mentioned many times, there's an apparent peace, and this peace has to be there for long enough to promote prosperity. Ezekiel chapter 38, starting verse 10, Thus saith the Lord God, or Adonai Yahweh, it shall come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind, this is speaking to Gog, and thou shalt think an evil thought, and thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are at rest. That's to be quiet, to be to be restful. That dwell safely, that securely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. To take a spoil and to take a prey. To turn thine hand upon the desolate places which are now inhabited, and upon the people that are gathered out of the nations, which have gotten cattle and goods, and that dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish, with all the young lions thereof, shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil? Although Israel is a very prosperous country, there seems to be a prosperity that is associated with this peace that enhances that spoil that they come down to get. And there also seems to be a vested interest by the powers of verse 13. Why else would they be mentioned? Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, with all the young lions thereof. There's something that gets them about Gog and Magog coming down. But I'd just like to notice in verse 14, it says, Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, Thus saith Adonai Yahweh, In that day when my people of Israel dwelleth safely, Shalt thou not know it? And thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts, thou and many people with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. And thou shalt come against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days, and I will bring thee against my land, that the heathen may know me, when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, before their eyes." Notice the wording in verse 14. The wording implies that the establishment of peace is somehow related to Gog coming. Maybe this is just opportunistic, but it seems that it could be something that is actually displeasing to Gog that this is established in this way, that it's not how he would have it. So as we look, we see the angels of God working to fulfill his will, setting up kings and taking them away. Daniel chapter 2, verse 20, Daniel answered and said to the angel, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changeth the times and seasons, he removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge unto them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and light dwelleth with him. So God is all-knowing, all in control, and he sets up kings and removes kings and organizes everything according to his will. So let's look at what the angels have been up to. They've brought together quite a team in 
both the United States and in Israel and elsewhere as well. So note this uh, Brookings Institute article, the title, Did Israelis Just Vote to End the Two-State Solution? It's becoming so obvious that everybody is seeing it. And in Israel, things are moving as well. There's now a significant move towards annexing Judea and Samaria. All members of the ruling Likud party supported it to some extent. Netanyahu himself promised at the end of his election campaign to annex Judea and Samaria, or parts of it at least, causing great waves and sucking many votes out of smaller right-wing parties. Basically, the entire 65-seat right-wing bloc would support it, including Lieberman. That's assuming that we have the government that it seems like we will in Israel. There, There's a little bit of doubt because Lieberman is very secular and wants to draft all the um, ultra-Orthodox Haredi young people into the army, and the ultra-Orthodox Haredi people obviously do not want their young people to be drafted into the army, and there's a bit of a conflict there, and it's unclear whether they will be able to solve that or not. Interestingly, also, a Haaretz poll, it's a left-wing newspaper in Israel, they found that even a large portion of left-leaning labor voters would support some amount of annexation. Meanwhile, Team Trump in Washington refuses to back a two-state solution, refuses to oppose annexation, refers to past actions as an indicator of future ones. And the past actions include defunding the PA, defunding UN agencies that fund the PA, defunding um, UNRWA, the UN Relief and Works Agency that uh, supports Palestinian refugees. They've even defunded their own U.S. aid for aid to the Palestinians. They're backing Israel's annexation of the Golan, acknowledging Jerusalem as Israel's capital and moving the U.S. embassy there. And David Friedman stated at IPAC that that peace in the Middle East comes through strength. Let's have a look at a little piece of what he says at the APAC conference. How can we kick the can down the road and leave this to our successors? Sure, that would be easier. That doesn't make it right. Can we leave this to an administration that may not understand the existential risk to Israel if Judea and Samaria are overcome by terrorists in the manner that befell the Gaza Strip after the IDF withdrew from this territory? Can we leave this to an administration that may not understand the need for Israel to maintain overriding security control of Judea and Samaria and a permanent defense position in the Jordan Valley? Can we leave this to an administration that may not recognize that under Israeli sovereignty, Jerusalem for the first time in 2,000 years has become a dynamic and prosperous city fully open to worshipers of all three Abrahamic faiths? Can we leave this to an administration that may not understand that in the Middle East, peace comes through strength, not just from words on a paper? Can we leave this to an administration potentially willing to penalize Israel for nothing more than having the audacity to survive in a dangerous neighborhood, failing to understand the threats that Israel faces or the care and humanity it deploys to meet those threats? 
Can we run the risk that one day the government of Israel will lament, why didn't we make more progress when U.S. foreign policy was in the hands of President Trump, Vice President Pence, Secretary Pompeo, Ambassador Bolton, Jared Kushner, Jason Greenblatt, and even David Friedman? How can we do that? So there we have it. Let's just summarize a couple of things that he points out. He's pointing out that the U.S. administration will not put up with an existential threat of Judea and Samaria being overcome by terrorists like Gaza. That's code for saying we're not going to give it over to the Palestinians. He's saying that they need to have, Israel needs to have overriding security control of Judea and Samaria. That pretty well rules out a two-state solution such as would be envisaged by the European Union. He points out that because of Israeli sovereignty, Jerusalem has been open and free to worshipers of all three Abrahamic faiths. That praise of Israeli sovereignty is not coincidental. That's not a minor point, because what he is going to be working towards is more Israeli sovereignty over more of the land. And he points out that peace comes through strength in the Middle East, not just words on a paper. By that, he's saying there's no point making some agreement with terrorists that they're not going to honor. You can't trust them. There's no point just having the words on the paper. You need to be strong in order to deter the attacks that might come against you. And then he praises Team Trump. He names the members in particular that he is referring to. Let's take a look at who they are. So he first he mentions President Trump. What he has done as President of the United States is crazy. Even just look at the team that he has picked. We'll go through some of these other ones in a minute. But he's consistently picking people that favor Jewish settlement of Judea and Samaria, that appreciate Israel's security needs, that put Israel's positions before just about anything else in the world. And doing things like recognizing um, Jerusalem as Israel's capital and Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights and other things that he is working towards and has promised, and they seem to be high priorities for them. This speaks volumes about who he is in terms of the things that matter for Bible prophecy. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, he's a Christian and Um, He seems to be a man of principle, and the things that he does and says are quite amazing. Let's just listen to a little piece of while he was in Israel just recently. Could it be that that President Trump right now has been sort of raised for such a time as this, just like Queen Esther, to help save the Jewish people from an Iranian menace? As a Christian, I I certainly believe that's possible. Uh, It was remarkable. So we were down in the tunnels where we could see uh, 3,000 years ago and 2,000 years ago, if I have the history just right, uh, uh, to see the remarkable history of the faith in this place uh, and the work that our administration has done to make sure that uh, this democracy in the Middle East of this Jewish state remains, um, I'm confident that the Lord is at work here. But with all the benefits Israel has received from this administration, will there be a price to pay in the long-awaited Mideast peace plan? What can you do to allay their fears of, of something like dividing Jerusalem and the upcoming peace plan? So I, I've seen uh, the details of the plan as it stands now. Um, there, I'm sure there'll be things moved just a bit as time goes on. Uh, but 
uh, evangelicals of the world should know that we, this is a vision um, I th for what uh, might ultimately lead to this resolution of this conflict. And I think this plan presents a vision for that, but doesn't sacrifice any of these core principles, uh, frankly, of any of the faiths. So there you go. Obviously, a deeply convicted religious man that really appreciates what Israel is and is really working on their behalf to bring about peace and security in a way that is of great benefit to Israel. So let's move on. John Bolton, um, he's a, a more well-known member. He's been in politics and prominent for quite a long time. But he's known for his strong support of Israel. He opposes the two-state solution creating, of creating an independent Palestinian state alongside the existing state of Israel. An amazing asset to the team. David Friedman. David Friedman is something else. So David Friedman, um, he's an Orthodox Jew, and he's financed projects throughout Judea and Samaria and American Friends of Beit El. Um, he was head of that uh, charity that um, supports all kinds of of projects in the West Bank, in Samaria mostly, around Be'el. And he says here on the Times of Israel, your ambassador says settlements are part of Israel. So he sees no need for Israel to be pulling any, um, any residents out of those communities in Judea and Samaria. This website, El Monitor, it's a bit of a uh, Palestinian-biased place, um, a lot of Arab news on it. And they are complaining that um, U.S. ambassador to Israel lobbies in favor of the settlers. He, they say he's more of an ambassador of the settlers to Washington than he is of Washington to Israel. And then we have Jason Greenblatt. Um, this Haaretz comment here just about says it all. How did an orthodox ex-settler become Donald Trump's Israel advisor? And if we look at what some of these men have said, it starts to give us a bit of an idea of what we have on the horizon, which is really what is very interesting to us. Um, once again, David Friedman says, no reason to evacuate settlements in the peace deal. And Pompeo echoes the same kind of thing. The settlements are to stay. Let's just read this little piece. U.S. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo on Friday said he did not believe Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's talk of extending Israeli sovereignty to West Bank settlements would hurt the Trump administration's long gestating peace plan. Everybody was sure that it would, of course, but he's saying, no, 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 that's fine, let them do it. Continuing on, his comments would appear to indicate that the U.S. plan does not provide for Palestinian statehood or even for Palestinian control of substantive contiguous territory in the West Bank. Asked during a CNN interview by anchor Jake Tapper, whether he thought Netanyahu vowing to annex the West Bank could hurt the U.S. proposal, Pompeo answered, I don't. This article outlines how U.S. Ambassador David Friedman, along with Yehuda Glick and some others, are actively working on economic projects in Judea and Samaria, industrial zones and so on. They're um, looking for ideas and working towards this actively, basically implementing the uh, peace proposals already. And the result is unprecedented. Things like this don't happen accidentally. This is, don't be mistaken, this is the hand of God at work in the nations, bringing events to the point that his son is going to return and establish the kingdom. There's a journalist in Israel who's been pushing for this kind of thing for a long time.
Her name is Caroline Glick. Let's just hear a little comment from from her. It's just a short little piece. So really, in the last week of the election, Prime Minister Netanyahu, for the first time, said that he supports applying Israeli law to uh, the Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria. I don't think that that's enough, but I think that it's a world apart from where we were ten uh, years ago, five years ago, and it's extraordinary. And then at the beginning of this week, we got the leak from the Washington Post that said that Uh, President Trump's uh, deal of the century does not involve establishing a Palestinian state west of the Jordan River. And, you know, these are things that I've been fighting for. So it's hard for me to feel defeated when I see that everything that I've been working towards is advancing and being adopted by Prime Minister Netanyahu on the one hand and by President Trump on the other. Just a little explainer there for anybody that doesn't uh, realize, Caroline Glick actually tried to be elected to the Knesset, in a party called the New Right, and she didn't actually make it, which is why she has a comment there about not feeling deflated because her ideology is being implemented, even though she didn't personally um, manage to make it in. So Haaretz, opinion writer, this is, Haaretz is a very left-wing, liberal kind of uh, news outlet. He says... Let's admit it, the settlers have won and we've lost. The reality is becoming obvious. You can't fight against God. God is establishing his people in the mountains of Israel as he has promised in this, in the prophets in Ezekiel and elsewhere. It's happening, whether the world likes it or not. And interestingly, you would think you would see opposition from somewhere like Saudi Arabia. Maybe there's some, but you're also seeing things that show that there's just a, an incredible revolution of thought going on among some, at least, of the people there. Listen to the, what this journalist says here. Palestinians who do not accept to be part of the state of Israel should be deported to Jordan and other Palestinians in other countries should be naturalized, including Palestinians in the Gulf countries, with compensation. Abdul Ahmed Al-Gabin, a Saudi Arabian writer and political analyst, said in an interview on Saudi Arabian television. After nearly 70 years of resistance and the loss of dozens of opportunities, the Palestinian issue must be eliminated, Al-Gabin said. There's no chance that everything will be changed for Jerusalem, Al-Gabin continued. It doesn't interest us what happens with Jerusalem as much as peace between the states interests us. We need to calm things down and make a true peace between the two sides. The interview is part of a discussion under the title, The Palestinian Peace Deal. After 70 years, the chances of a Palestinian deal are in dire condition. So he's saying, give it up. Everybody needs to settle down and there needs to be some peace. We've got bigger problems to, to uh, worry about. So let's have a look at this little chart then. So we looked at some things from Ezekiel that we can expect. <clears throat> That's the list on the left, just very briefly summarized there. Let's just start at the top and go through here. We are to expect there to be unwalled villages with no need for protection. The, the, it implies that the need for protection that you currently see um, is eliminated. Um, and we see it, Trump's team is fine with Israel annexing settlements. So those settlements will stay, and if peace is established, that is absolutely a prospect that is on the horizon. And it says that they're dwelling in the midst of the land. That's only used in one other place in the Bible, and it's referring to an area around Shechem. 
So that is that central area of Samaria. So if this area, again, is kept by Israel, this is absolutely the case. It's the case now that Israel is there, and we can expect them to continue to be so. But it's interesting that somebody's not happy about it, that they don't want Jews there, and the narrative in Ezekiel 38 suggests that they come to try and take them out. What we need to expect before that happens for things to be quiet and at rest, it says. So there's an apparent peace that needs to be established. Somebody, perhaps Trump, succeeds in calming things down by the time this happens. There needs to be no bars and gates. Freedom of movement needs to be established then. Right now there's walls, bars, and gates, and they're there to reduce terror. So that implies that the terror that we see that's causing these to need to be there must be eliminated in some way. And then they come to collect a spoil. So prosperity of some kind needs to be expected. We see prosperity in Israel at the moment, but maybe there's more that is to develop in the areas that it's talking about, specifically in Judea and Samaria. And interestingly, um, the Trump plan is supposed to include economic components with joint projects between Israelis and Palestinians that should help the economy in the area to become more vibrant. And then it mentions about those powers that are resisting, that are speaking against what happens when they come down. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish. It seems to indicate that there's a vested interest by those people, perhaps, in um, a vested interest in the area, and there's a resistance there. So we can expect other powers to perhaps be involved, including Saudi Arabia. And we see opinion in Saudi Arabia changing and it becoming more likely that they could be involved. We also see Jared Kushner and others going to these countries and um, trying to establish agreements with them. And there's been talk of a regional peace agreement rather than one just inside Israel. So what we're seeing then is this big piece of the puzzle that just didn't quite match up before. The, the situation in Israel just wasn't eh, quite right. It was really a stretch of the text to try and impose the language of the kind of peace and security and without walls and bars and gates and all of that that we saw in the prophecies onto the situation today. We don't know at what time the Lord returns. We don't know when the resurrection will be, but this is definitely something that needs to happen before Ezekiel 38 is completed and those nations that come down against Israel are eliminated. So what we look for then is a temporary peace to be established, a peace that includes Israel in those contested areas, that they have people that are dwelling there, that are prospering in the midst of the land that Gog is not happy about and comes down like a cloud to cover the land against the people of Israel. Although the title of this article is very interesting, that U.S. Ambassador David Friedman says that we don't tell Israel what to do, the painting behind him is also interesting as well. Um, he says it's depicting the biblical sin of the spies, that as they brought back the large produce, it was the best evidence they could have of the giants that were in the land and would help the people believe. Um, and the problem wasn't that they were lying, but rather that they lacked the faith to trust in God and to carry out what he had required of them and so discouraged the people. 
as we are on the edge of the kingdom, as we're at the, at the edge of the redemption of all of God's people, how should we be reacting? How should we be in our lives as we have to do the things that God has required of us? Thank you very much. This has been Tim Billington with you. Come again next week for another edition of The Bible in the News, God willing.